It's the time we've all been waiting for. It is playoff time here on the Extra Bases Podcast. Jason Bristol, Jeremy Booth, Rays and Astros underway on Friday. What scares you most? What scares you most about oh, these Tampa Bay Rays? Two, two things. I can't really pick between the two of them. One of them is, is their rotation in a short series. You know, if this was something that was going seven games, I feel better about the Astros and, and the fact that Cole and Verlander get the ball twice. That's not going to happen here, right? So that's number one. The second one is the hunger. These guys have nothing to lose. I mean, the Astros, you know, they're the big bad Astros right now, right? They're sitting at the top. They're expected. The Rays aren't expected. The Rays are here. And, and teams like that, that believe in themselves, that go up against, for all intents and purposes, the Goliath right now in the American League, you got a chance of doing something kind of special and can't count that out. You know, we talked about um, who, who would you rather play? Who do you not want to play? You know, and we talked, you and I did this a couple times and I, I think I it told was, you for- it was Rays or A's. Rays or A's. Rays or A's. And you picked A's. I, oh, absolutely. I want to play the A's all day. You know why? Because first of all, they know them. It's the West, right? They know how to play them. Tampa, they played them seven times. It was, you know, three and four record, I believe, is what you, what you said, right? You had up there. So they don't know the Rays as well. Secondly, you got Blake Snell, who's back. You've got Glasnow, who's coming into his own. You've got Charlie Morton, who, well, it's Charlie Morton, right? That's scary to me. What scares me about this Rays team is that bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think Houston needs to get to those starters as quickly as possible and then face those raise relievers in low leverage, medium leverage situations, not high leverage situations, because those raise relievers may be the best unit in Major League Baseball. We're talking almost every guy coming out of that pen is averaging 12, 13, 14 strikeouts per nine innings. And no one's heard of most of them. And that's scary to me. You might run into Tampa Bay and see, you know, the club, not the city, right? And see seven relievers in one night and lose two nothing. Like you, these guys have done a great job with finding that guy to fit that fit those guys, fit those philosophy. And and while I'm not a huge opener guy mm-hmm. for the year, I understand why they do it. Um, they're flipping basically the sixth inning with the first. That's what they're doing. And they're taking the one, two, one, two, three hitters out of the way, right away, taking a bat away, get to the four, five, six with your starter and start there. So you're starting lineup at four. Okay. Um, and in, 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 in a game where the starters go five innings now, sometimes six, doing that has some value. What that also means, though, is their relievers are resilient. The relievers will pitch every day. Those guys will take the ball and, and they have experience, know how to use it. So when you get into a short season or a short series, rather, and you've got five games, with that rotation, but all three of those guys, bona fide starters, all three of them. We're not talking openers there. It's Glass now, it's Morton, it's Snell. Those three guys get the ball and they go in, they go as far as they can. With that type of fire behind them, Jason, you're 100% right. They could slam the door in the second inning and you wouldn't even know it. Second inning. They could do it in the second inning. Any given night, this game is not promised to anybody. Any given night, as good as the Astros are, as, as outstanding as this offense is, as high contact and high power as this offense is, which is really, really rare today in the game. The Astros have done this a couple of times now. Um, to be that high contact and that high octane with what they can do, to have a team like Tampa, if anybody's going to neutralize them, it's those guys. 
Carlos Correa working out on Thursday. Good to go. That's the message from AJ. That's great news for Houston. Josh Reddick just had twins. Yeah. Good for Josh. Congratulations. He'll be good to go on Friday. Yeah. What does Justin Verlander need to do? Uh, let me rephrase that. How important is this game one? Because I think it's really important. In a short series, you have home field advantage. You need to win game one and really game two. Because you go back to the next city, you want to knock them out. So game one, Verlander needs to be Verlander. He just needs to go in there, not mess around, set the tone, and be, do what aces do, right? Um, this is a guy at 36 years old that's it's going to win or be the next, be the runner-up in the Cy Young Award. You know, this is a guy that wants to pitch 1,100 more seasons. You know, this is, <laughs> this is a guy who just wants to go do – he needs to just take the ball and be himself. And and Justin, he's he's kind of made for these moments, right? So Glass now is going to really be pitching behind a guy who can handle it, Morton. He, that's why this is coming up again. So – if Justin is Justin, um, the Astros have every shot. That's all he has to do. And we saw what happened during the ALDS when the Astros faced Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And that first game against Corey Kluber. Yeah, yeah. Last last year. And yeah. it was almost like that series was over right then and there. Yeah, we got to see some of that game from a suite. So we had a pretty good angle. That's right? true. We did. That's pretty, true. Um, but. Uh, no, if you establish it and you take the team out of it, um, and the Indians were a different club than the Rays are, right? But if you can take them out of it and Justin can do what he does, it's going to be hard to come back from that. Looking around at the other playoff series, Yankees in Minnesota. Yeah. Who do you like in that series? you got to like the Yankees, but I hate to fight the Twins. I love those guys. You know, Twins are still family to me. You know, um, Darren Johnson, Sean Johnson, uh, you know, Tim O'Neill, I mean, those guys are still family, you know, but, and a lot of other guys that are still there. Uh, but one in 100 games, man, I kind of, and it's a lot. How many teams won 100 games this year? Five? I thought like 20, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was half, half the teams won 100 games, half the teams lost, lost 100, 100 games. That's 15, 15 and 15. It makes sense. It was just, it was really, I don't know, but the Twins are uh, Nelson Cruz. I'm happy for him. He's in the postseason. You know, I'm, uh, what do you want me to say? I mean, that's my guy. Um, I hope those guys. Yeah, that's my guy. I hope those guys. You know, do well. But I think the Yankees are. You're looking at another Yankees Astros. I think round two, if you can get the, if 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 um, the Yankees can can make hard contact consistent. National League. Nationals Dodgers. So that scares me for the Dodgers, yeah. like the Rays scare me for the Astros. I don't think they realize how good the Nationals are. And and no, and, I think they do. I mean, listen, the Nationals have stockpiled talent. Yeah, and very few teams draft as well as the Nationals do. Right? They've done a good job. They've done, I mean, a, good they've done, a, they've done a good job. Done a good job. They haven't missed on a lot of number one overall picks or first high first round guys. Right? They haven't missed no, on true. many. That's true. Recently, yeah, that's true. Um, Anthony Rendon has be, has become one of the best players in baseball. MVP yeah, candidate, absolutely. Um, Juan Soto, a lot of energy at twenty. You know the, the pitching staff is is what it is. Juan so. Soto, he's on that arc, man. He's on that Mike Trout arc. He's twenty years old. It's funny. It's funny how good this kid can be. Um, Last year, I think he was in Hagerstown, Maryland. He was in A ball. Was he really? Yeah, That's he came. Amazing. He jumped from. He jumped three levels last year. So it's like a Pujols and Trout trajectory. Yeah. Right? Um, 
the Nationals are good. The Nationals and a short se- a short series also scare me, especially with Corbin on the mound after the, after the emotional win, right? Um, I'm still going to pick the Dodgers, but I, I'm saying it's going to be a fight. I'm going to say Dodgers in five. Yeah, I agree with you. And then you have Cardinals and Braves. So the Braves for me are a World Series candidate. Ooh. And if anybody can take out the Dodgers, it's them. Yes, a year ago I said... Um, a year ago they were ahead of their time. Yeah, I said they're early, right? They're early. And this was the year they were going to be good, and they're really good. Um, again, testament to two different front offices there. I mean, Alex and... and, and uh, and Dana and those guys come over now have done a good job with what they've had, but they just kind of got there. Alex has been there two years. He just kind of got there, right? Um, Brian Bridges and and Roy Clark and the guys that were before, those guys deserve the credit for building that system and getting those guys. Gordon Blakely did a great job in the international market. Um, it takes two. You're hardly ever around to see it uh, in the end, but those guys, the, the players on the field, most of them, are a product of those three guys' efforts, whether it's amateur scouting, uh, you know, uh, international scouting, you know, both sides of it tying it together, um, you know, and, and so they, they, the Braves in the city have been, you know, they're not the '90s Braves anymore, right? But they're they're pretty exciting to watch. And Ron Washington and Brian Snicker done a good the other way around. I got to give Snicker credit first, done a good job in Atlanta. So they have those kids hungry and ready to go, um, and they can beat the Dodgers. And so I'm picking them over. Um, who are they playing again? Cardinals? Cardinals. Yeah, I think we were Cardinals. Let's go back to the Astros and Rays. Three reasons why the Astros will win the ALDS. Now, that lineup is, I mean. All right, so number one is the Astros lineup. <laughs> they can hit. Um, home field advantage. Home field advantage is number two. Yeah. Um, and if it does get to game four and five, then they'll get you know, Cole and Verlander a second time, right? Or one of them. So um, the fact that you might have to face those guys twice, the Astros still beat the Rays, in my opinion. So Astros lineup. Lineup. Home field advantage. Starting pitching. And the big three. Starting pitching. Starting pitching. Yeah. Now, three reasons why the Astros, three reasons why the Astros could lose this series. Overconfidence. Okay. Loss of offensive approach. Third one's hard for me to say because the guy's done a good job, but overanalyzing certain decisions a la Joe Smith. If they have a Joe Smith moment at any point, and, and I hate, I mean, I mean, I really hate to say that because mm-hmm. you're still pitching in the big leagues. Yeah. You know, but if they have a Joe Smith moment where they go get somebody that fits what Tampa's trying to do at that time and we start losing momentum here then then tampa can capitalize we saw that happen in boston last year game two it didn't even happen in game three game three was when it was over but game two we saw it with maldonado right so overconfidence um poor decisions um and loss of offensive approach and those are your three reasons why the astros could lose this series yeah you got them you got any reasons they win or lose or i think yours are pretty much my thing would be, I think you're right, losing offensive their offensive approach. I think what's interesting about the Rays is, is, is unorthodox, is that a good word to describe how they do things over there? Unorthodox? I mean, obviously you have the openers. 
But, I mean, the lineup, they shuffle sometimes. I mean, look who was batting first leadoff against the A's. Guy hit two homers, Yandi, right? You know, in an, I've, been, I've been fortunate. I say fortunate, and I, I use that word. You know, that's, that's something that's important to me, that one word when it comes to people in baseball. Because, you know, I have conversations all the time, and I've talked, you know, we, we, you hear stuff. But I've been fortunate to be around Eric Neander, Rob Metzler, and Bobby Heck quite a bit. Okay, and, and the first two? Eric Neander's a general manager. Rob Metzler's a scouting director. And of the race. Of the race. And there's, there's other people over there that their culture – that helped create that culture, but those guys, that culture they have was Bobby. Is Bobby here? I don't know if you. I don't think so. Okay, but um, the reality is, those those guys um, have created a culture over there that started with Friedman, right? And when he yep. was in Tampa, um, you know, there's a culture there in Tampa that's pretty special. And what those guys do is as analytic, analytically focused as they are. And they are. They have never devalued high contact. They have never devalued uh, game power. They have never devalued, um, uh, you know, uh, pitching information. They've never devalued the starter. They just adapted to what was out there, right? They've found a different way to approach it and zig when everybody else is zagging. In an analytical world, that's why the Rays are good. They don't have the biggest budget in the planet. We all know that. They go out and they make plays. They make smart decisions. And, and you can tell the culture – um, that they have, and I'm working back to your point here, but you get a guy like Blake Snell who signs for what feels like pennies compared to what Chris Sale got at a much more um, leveraged time in his career for Snell because all of the better years are ahead still. They're all ahead of him, right? And they're able to keep that guy in Tampa. And that tells you about the culture that they got. It tells you that what Kevin Cash has done in, in the clubhouse. It tells you that there's a, there's a big buy-in by everybody in the scouting and development department. It, it, and so when, you, when you're around those guys and everybody can buy in, unorthodox, sure, but unorthodox only from the standpoint of they've reacted properly to the mix of analytics and baseball. Um, baseball savvy, let's call it, right? And advanced, advanced, and I hate using the word analytics too, man, because everybody's do stats. You and I, when we talk stats, that's analytics. Mm-hmm. Like, so when you're talking about um, advanced analysis is what I'm going to say. Advanced analysis, deeper insights into people, players, and and data, and finding out what is a correlation to what, right? When you, they've done a really good job at that, and then marrying it with the execution of it, and adapting to a game, um, that tends to be a little bit of me too. They've been a very quiet leader, you know. And and when you look at a guy like like Bobby, um, and I'm, I'm a I mean obviously I'm a huge Bobby Heck fan with what he's done. But if you look at a guy like Bobby, man, he's built three teams. He's built three clubs. How many organizations do you got to build before somebody realizes that you're the common denominator? You know, in Milwaukee, eight years as a a cross-checker. And he helped draft guys like, well, a lot of the superstars and even a couple guys that got back there. Like, he was a cross-checker. Yeah, Locaine. You know, I mean, guys that – Locaine was like 17th rounder. Doug Reynolds signed him. I mean, that's a, he's a, he's a scout who has been assistant general manager. who has been involved in all of it, and his the culture he brings with him that fed that led to David Post or led into fed into him, right? Who's doing that in San Diego with the players they're doing in their farm system? Um, he's part of that. He's he's a, he's a unifying factor with that. Did it in Milwaukee help them get to where they're going? Did it in Houston help build this up before they got him out of here after the Correa McCullers draft, right? And then he goes to Tampa. And now what? 
every year we're talking about Tampa. Now, I'm not. It's obviously not one guy, but they're, that's sure. indicative of what is around there. And so for them, they're dangerous every time they take the field, unorthodox or not. And 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 it's um, it's one of the reasons why I picked them before the year to win the division because man, they're scary. And and they really embrace that. I hate to say underdog because it's such a cliche, but they like that that label of of being the team that nobody really talks about or thinks about or knows about. Absolutely. They love it. One Absolutely. of the coaches today was telling me that, listen, we love that. We love that people don't know our guys because yeah. it, 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 it fuels that fire a little bit. You know, they were talking, you see that clip on the, uh, on TV from the clubhouse when he said that other team, you know? I mean, yes, when he said when Kevin Cash after winning a playoff or earning a playoff spot, Kevin Cash says, "You know, all these teams, we can compete with them. The Yankees, the A's, Indians, that other team, yeah. meaning the Houston Astros." No, yeah. I'm telling you, there are Houston and Tampa Bay. If you're working a trade with those two teams. I think you would have to take a long, hard look at the guys you're giving up because, and then ask yourself, what do I, what am I not seeing that they see? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that. You know, and, and I'll say this, um, and this is where I'll say this gently and forcefully all at the same time. Um, the trades between Tampa Bay and Houston have been what non-existent, right? That's a good point. I they, should look to see when the last time Tampa and Houston made a deal. They've been non-existent, and here's why. And I'm not, remember, I'm not in the room, so I'm not speaking sure. yeah. for anybody. This, this is, is my outside looking yes. in. Okay, Those guys don't want anybody the Astros got in the system. They don't want them. Okay? If they wanted them, they'd give something up to get them. All right? The Astros and, and the Rays draft different. Bobby had his philosophy. Obviously got him the players he did before he left, right? Um, Mike Elias and Jeff Luno have their philosophy. We know how that's worked out. Houston's still what? The seventh, fourth largest city in the country? Ish. Ish. You know, it's got major sports teams all over the place. Tampa Bay does too. But those guys' budget's drastically different. They draft better. They draft different. And they just do. And they go out and they get the players. Uh, they, um, I heard something on TV yesterday. AL Central castoffs, right? Avisail Garcia, right? Mm-hmm. And some, it was some other guy that hit a home run. Um, they're talking about the AL Central castoffs Tampa Bay has has, uh, has reclaimed. They don't make deals because they don't like the same type of player. They get them at the big league level, that's fine. But um, if Tampa Bay wants a Astros player, they need to look really hard at it. If Houston wants a Tampa Bay player and it's not the obvious one, I think they're probably okay. Just That's interesting. I Just never saying. even thought of that. Just saying. And it's nothing to do with the big league level. And, and obviously, Jordan Alvarez, rookie of the year, and they've done a great job with it. But those guys in Tampa are pretty smart. They also stockpile quite a bit of draft picks, too, don't they? Because of they get guys, they lose guys. I mean, they're not infallible. I mean, no one, no one is perfect. Yeah. A lot of people make mistakes. I was looking at Blake Snell. Blake Snell was drafted... First round supplemental, right? Because it was in the 50s when he was picked. Right. And then I was looking at who the Rays picked their first pick that year in 2011. And I had his name here. And it was somebody I've never heard of. 
Jake Hager. Tampa. He was um, a shortstop. Yeah, he's from the West Coast. 30, say, he was the 32nd overall pick in 2011. I want to say he was Las Vegas. Is that right? High school? Uh, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Henderson, Nevada, yeah, yes. Las Vegas, yeah. Um, yeah. Jake's still playing. He is. I forget where. No offense. Sorry, Jake. Yeah, but... Um, it's not Jake from State Farm either. You know who the Astros took in the first round that year? 11? Yeah. I, mean, I can tell you. I know that draft back and, backwards oh, and forwards. Oh, yeah. 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 George... Springer. Yeah, that's right. We talked about this. We're not going to have that discussion again. Just saying. Yeah. If you go back and look at that 2011 draft. No, we are going to have that conversation. Well, I mean, just t- take five seconds. You got it in front of you. Find me, find me people, somebody that just didn't play in the big leagues in the first 20 picks. Guys that didn't play yeah, in the big leagues? one guy that didn't play in the big leagues in the first 20. Especially that Bubba Starling got there, you know, 14 years later. Find one guy. Uh, the first guy who did not play in the big leagues was picked 30th overall. That's a really good draft. Okay. Remember, you know who that was? Who? Shortstop. North Carolina. Oh, um, Levi Levi Michael. Michael. Twins draft. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, If you play in professional baseball, you're 1%. You're 1% athlete or baseball player on the planet, right? If you play in the big leagues, you're 1% within that 1%. That means 29 guys in that draft right off the top. That hardly ever happens. You know, I, find me another, another draft where almost everybody you take in the first round, you feel really good about. Some of those guys are really good later. Sonny Gray, what was he, 19 or 18? Bradley was in that back of that draft, right? 18. Sonny Gray was 18. To Bradley Oakland. was 40. 40. So, I mean, look at these guys that you've had. That you have. George Springer goes 11. Goes 11. The leading war guys, guys with the highest war from that draft. Yeah. Lindor is number one. He was eight. Rendon is close on his heels. He was six. Springer is three. Yeah. Garrett Cole is four. He was one. Sonny Gray is five. 18. Trevor Story is six. Forgot about him. Javier Baez <laughs> is seven. <laughs> Trevor Bauer is eight. Colton Wong is nine. Jackie Bradley Jr. is 10. And then. Someone that would have been much higher on this list had he not died, Jose Fernandez. Sure. And Jose Fernandez went 14. Yep. Right? That's how good that draft was. That Jose, Jose Fernandez was your 14th pick. Brandon Nimmo was 13, and we took Jed Bradley at 15. Mikey Matuk, I think, was in that draft, too. He was, uh, yes. Tampa Bay took him, too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. 31st pick. Right behind Hager? No, ahead of Hager. Uh, Michael went 30, right? Matuk went 31. Oh, yeah. Maybe I had that wrong. And the Hager went 32. My bad. Okay. So in the first 32 picks, you got two guys in playing the big leagues? That's it? First 29. And then after that, 32, 31 played in the okay. big leagues. So 30 didn't make it and 32 didn't make it. Yeah, I'm sorry. So their first pick was it was Mikey Mat- Matuk. Sorry. I, you know, I should have known that, yeah. Jason, because I had the area still. Yeah. So I had LSU as well. And Matuk was a favorite of mine. Um and I remember screaming, like people, when we took Youngman at 12 and Mata kept falling, my phone was blowing up from guys in the area. Like, you taking Mikey? You going to take Mikey? You going to take Mikey? And I'm not saying anything. What, first of all, you don't know because you're at pick 22 and you got to sure. get to 31. Second of all, if I am going to say yes, if I say if I, if I did know, why would I say yes? Like, let's let it happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and we took Brad, because, oh, my bad. We took Bradley at 15. That's what it was. So when we took Youngman at 12, Nimmo went, Fernandez went, and that's when they blew up to take Matic at 15, and he didn't get to the second round. So, um, Zach Cohn. 
Man, I was way out on Zach Cohn. I'll go back and show you the report. I was like, You what? like Zach Cohn? Oh, I could not stay. I didn't hate it. I, look, I hate it's tough. I was not a fan of him as a baseball player. How's that? Swing and miss. A lot of swing a and miss. A lot. A ton of swing and yeah, miss. Yeah, you know who else I didn't like as a baseball player? You remember this, but the people have to go back and look. He was part of the 2008 draft, 2009 draft. Wait, 2008 draft. Can you give me a yeah. little hint? Wait, well, 2009. Donovan Tate. Donovan Tate. Out. All the way. All right, so should we give our award winners for the season? For the Astros? No, no, for the season. AL MVP, NL MVP. Okay. Or do you want to do that next time? No, I can do it now. All right, let's just do a teaser. Cy Young Award. (sighs) AL Cy Young. I'll tell you what, he pitches for the Astros. Yep. (laughs) How's that? I know who it is, in my opinion. I, I, got, I don't know if he's going to win it, but I, got I just teaser. gave it away. I got another so. teaser for you. Okay. He's not going to be an Astro in two years. So that could be the guy, because Cole could be next year. <laughs> could be two years from now. He's not going to be an Astro in two years. Okay. I think it's Cole. I think Cole, you win player of the, uh, pitcher of the month three times. You gave up fewer homers. Your strikeouts, you led the league in strikeouts and strikeouts per nine inning. To me... Um, that's, that's dominant ERA 2.50. You won 16, you went 16 and 0 in your final 22 starts. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you had a Cy Young award race that was, that can be that painful to pick apart? It was not that long ago and it involved Justin Verlander. Who was it with? It was Scherzer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Or what? Or was it Porcello? No, I think it was Scherzer. They're both in Detroit. Yeah. Right. It was Scherzer. Yeah. Before he went to Washington. Or no, was it Verlander and Pro- Porcello? No, I, well, Porcello would have been in Boston then, right? No. He was, he was still in Detroit? No, it was... Uh, well, maybe it was. Yeah, it was Porcello. He was in Boston. Yeah, my bad. As a starter. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he beat um, Verlander by five. That was 2017. You said teammates? Or 2016. That was teammates? or no, just oh, general. Just, yeah. I, that I, was one of the closest. Now, there was a tie in 1969. Who was that? It was Denny McLean. 30 wins. And Mike Cuellar. I believe that was it. Or Mike Cuellar. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to... It's Man, it's hard because Cole is just so good. I, the home runs... Um, a lot for me yeah that's what i'm saying although he he fixed that towards the end of the season so who are you going with you know what you took cole i'll take verlander oh great we'll see what happens so we really didn't come to any yeah i'm you know what all right that's fine how many home runs verlander give up again 20 what oh i think it was in the 40s it was in the 40s i think it was that high um you know justin's a guy you watch pitch and you forget about the home runs as they add up because he's so good at what he does yeah um but 40 home runs is hard to win cy young that's a lot of bombs. I'm sorry, he gave up 36. Yeah, that's a lot of bombs. And and Cole was under 20. No, well, he was 20 something. Okay. Well. Here's the thing: Verlander has won the Baseball Digest Pitcher of the Year. I didn't even know Baseball Digest was still around. Me either. And he won the Astros Most Valuable Pitcher Award from the Houston chapter that. of the Baseball Writers Association. Seeing that, I think 
that perhaps Verlander has the inside track. Verlander, yeah, I'm, I'm still t- sticking with him. Okay. If it was like 15 home runs for Cole and 35 for Verlander, I'd feel different, but it's closer than I thought. I'm so Verlander no longer led the league in home runs allowed. So somebody gave up more than 36. Someone gave what up do, more than 36. Doing? It's the way the game's played now, Jeremy. Is it the baseball? <laughs> All right. MVP. No, we give it. To, we'll do it next time. All right, because we got. Uh, I think we have to give up the studio here. I'll tell you what, my pick is not what you think for MVP in the American League. Yeah, I've changed mine. Did you? I did. Okay. All right. Let me did, see. Did MLB pitchers lead. MLB pitching leaders. Did I sway you? I don't know. Mike Leake gave up forty-one. Jeez. <laughs> Boyd gave up thirty-nine. Verlander thirty-six. It's got to be the ball. That's a lot of home runs, Jason. There was an era. There was an era not too long ago where twenty was a ton, you know. And now we're talking about thirty-six to forty. Guess who had the most saves? Yates from the Padres with forty-one. Really? Yeah. Well, there I mean, goes my uh, fearless prediction of Osuna. Osuna. I thought he would set a team record for saves, and he probably would have if he hadn't bombed in August. My prediction was George Springer, wasn't it? Yeah, winning – was it winning the MVP? Might, might be. Yeah, he won't. No, he won't, but he had a great year. He had his best year? Yeah. Would you say it was his best year? Uh, I would. Um, something to watch as, as this goes forward is all the managerial vacancies. Mm-hmm. Um, Callaway was let go today by the Mets. Osmus was also let go by the Angels. Madden with the Cubs. Bochy's open in San Francisco. San Francisco's open with Bochy retiring. Clint Hurdle. Um, let go by the Pirates. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Padres, Andy Green. Yep. Anybody else? I think that's it. For now. Might be one more. Okay. But your point is? What direction do these clubs go? Because the guys that are getting let go were all that generation, take Hurdle out of it for a second. Bochy didn't let go. He stepped down. Yeah. They're all that. But Van Wagenen did not hire Mickey Calloway. So to me, that kind of cancels that out. I'll give you that one. Give me, give me. You know, Andy Green was hired in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Madden in cut with the Cubs. He ends up in Anaheim, by the way. Oh yeah. You know. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what these, you know, who these guys hire is going to tell you a lot about the direction. All right. So we'll see. All right, everybody. That's a, a playoff edition of the Extra Bases podcast. Kind of thrown together at the last minute because I was out at Minute Maid. But uh, thanks for listening. And thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave your comments, concerns, anything you want to tell us, ask us, or scream at us about, leave them in the comment section, and we'll uh, definitely read them. Tomorrow, we'll be where? Yeah, so on Friday, we'll be at Minute Maid Park, KHO 11 News at noon, and then after the game, 5, 6, and 10 p.m. on KHOU 11. Which will be a lot of fun. It will be. And then you'll be here on Saturday. I will. Playoff baseball. We're back. All right. See you, everybody. Bye.